I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is the 13th of December 2022, and this is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. I'm Nadine Blaney, here with David Scott. How are you, Scotty? I'm pretty good. I'm uh, I'm chapping at the bit for this uh, CPI report to come out because uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a meandering start to the week. Let's go and get to the uh, crescendo. Yeah, well, crescendo, inflation, crescendo, Fed... BOE, ECB, and what I also learned today is the Central Bank of Russia will be handing down an interest rate decision on Friday. I bet you didn't know that, unless, of course, you were watching Ausbiz at 8.30 this morning. Um, but let's stick with the here and now, because, yes, it's been meandering, but we did add three-tenths of a percent today after that performance on Wall Street overnight. So at least at least it was uh, positive. Ed Moya from Awanda way back at 8.30 told me this morning, this rally that you saw on Wall Street overnight, he said, it's, it's not, there's nothing of substance in it. Um, just sort of some some better news, I suppose, coming from that New York Fed inflation outlook and, you know, a lot of positioning already happening ahead of that inflation read. Absolutely. The, uh, that inflation expectation survey, boy, it does go and allow for some great narratives to be written, though. But I think it's a stone. I look at the prevailing direction that markets were heading coming into these risk events. It was lower. So we square up the other way, and uh, we'll now see what happens come 12.30 a.m. tomorrow morning on the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you had plenty of conversations about that, no doubt. I've had plenty of conversations about that. Um, had a good one today about the small cap universe with uh, Jill Carey Hall. She's the uh, small cap and mid cap strategist at BOA Strategy, or BOA um, Securities, Bank of America. And look, she reckons that um, the bottom is not in for equities. Um, you know, we won't see the bottom. We could see a, still see a drawdown to like 3,000, 3,300 at the S&P 500 by mid next year. But, you know, the opportunities are here and now when it comes to the small cap space. Something that, um, yeah, has been repeated a few times lately. You know, they're already priced for this recessionary environment in the U.S., which now seems as if it's an inevitability. Yeah. Look, uh, it's always priced until it's not. So we'll see what the other uh, earnings reports come out with, uh, and then we'll see what the other uh, inflation genie does as well. But uh, certainly, you look at where the risks lie uh, relative to where earnings are at this point in time, and you consider as well what's going on in the energy sector. There's clearly a bit of softness starting to creep in there as well. Things look pretty optimistic on that front. Certainly, when you look at the signals being generated by the bond market, the credit market, everyone is saying that uh, it's going to be pretty gnarly uh, during periods of next year. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, certainly when it comes to the relativities, uh, yeah, small caps more broadly, 
tend to get thrown out with the uh, baby in the bathwater, regardless of the underlying prospects. Mm-hmm. So that interview is in the show notes of the, yeah, yeah is accessible via this, this podcast and the newsletter. So there's that one to listen to. Um, also, Aaron Binstead from Lazard Asset Management. That was at 10 o'clock in the morning. So I'm not sure if you had an ear on that one, Scuddy, but basically states the case as to why equities can still be held and loved through volatile times, which, you know, to your earlier point, it certainly seems as if we are in for in 2023, particularly, you know, when you hear about Chinese stocks falling in Asia today, COVID outbreak fears are growing. That is not going to be a smooth emergence from COVID zero, because at the end of the day, you know, it's an unvaccinated, well, largely unvaccinated population. So we're going to be having headlines like this, I think, right through, well, until... Until what? Until what happens? We'll see. Look, you're exactly right when it comes to those uh, those prospects. It's definitely not going to be smooth sailing. We know from the lived experience in the Western world that uh, when you deal with COVID coming into winter months, uh, close proximity to people, indoor environments, uh, it tends to spread pretty rapidly. And uh, you've got a largely uh, unvaccinated population, at least when it comes to mRNA vaccines. And uh, yeah, certainly putting that together, yeah, you'd imagine it'll probably be not until maybe early parts, middle of, uh, of spring in the Northern Hemisphere that we might see a return to some kind of living with, uh, with the virus normality in China. Yeah, well, I had a good chat with Amundi, uh, the CIO there yesterday, and he was just basically saying that the timing of that emergence, the real emergence from China might actually line up quite well with what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere in the summer as well. So get this recession taking hold in the first half. And then once we see China and the timing of its real reopening and when we start to see economic activity pick up, it might provide that sort of tailwind to the global economy that could be a bit of a game changer next year. That interview is up online. But uh, away from the big picture for now, let's get to today. UBS has weighed in on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank's trading update. So it says that it looks strong and is in line with its own estimates, saying that it's also 15% ahead of um, consensus estimates, showing that Uh, It says that the strong share price performance today was justified. Again, net interest margin surprise to the upside. So that's a long way of saying that Bendigo and Adelaide Bank was one of the best performers today. Megaport as well did well. Look, not quite sure why, but um, I'll let you figure that out. Brainship was one of the best performers too, Scotty. We were chatting on this via chat earlier today. Um, In the 200, yeah, you you reminded me of that, um, which is surprising sometimes. Yeah, I actually wrote a view about this a long time ago, but let's just say that uh, I think that its prospects in the 200 were determined by retail coordination, uh, shall we say. Uh, Certainly, its revenues are very, very small, and uh, it's a very speculative stock, it seems. But uh, for some reason and somehow, it's managed to find itself amongst the big boys and girls in the other 200. We'll see yeah. where that lasts. But yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's a perennial at either end of the other scoreboard on any given day. Yeah, well, prepare yourself potentially for some hate mail on Twitter, I think, for expressing that view, Scotty. But hey, you've got thick skin. Um, yeah, Bring we'll it leave on. it at that. Yeah, Fortescue was one of the worst performers today. It did have its price target cut. But I did note that Iron Ore came under a bit of pressure today. Um, why do you think that was? Is this just, you know, fears about COVID waves in China? Uh, look. It's run very hard. A lot of good news has been priced in. And it keep coming back to 
the sentiment as to what the property measures announced by China uh, a few weeks ago actually mean in practicality. And it is not off to the races and back to 2017, 28 halcyon days have just built it and they will buy it. Those days are gone. And unless you get severe supply disruptions coming through like we saw in Brazil previously, I find it very difficult to justify iron ore up at these levels. Uh, and maybe we're just getting a bit of a circumspect and, and, and checking of that optimism now that's run so far, so fast. Okay, I'm just noticing uh, that we've got UBS lifting its price target on Fortescue to $18.70. Interesting to note that it has lifted its price target on BHP to $40, but it's downgraded its rating to sell from neutral and also downgrading Rio Tinto to sell from neutral. I don't have all of the details in front of me, but we'll be reading that one, no doubt, to get some further detail on how UBS is running the ruler over these Aussie miners. It says that they're running a bit ahead of fundamentals in this fragile macro environment. Look, otherwise, today, Star Entertainment, it is very big news. ASIC saying it's had enough and uh, taking action against directors, ex-directors, and current directors, and the ex-CEO. We've just put something up from Helen Bird. She's a corporate governance specialist online. If you'd like to take a look and listen to that, she basically said ASIC is just drawing a line. Had enough taking action, and particularly that these were egregious brief, um, you know, breaches of corporate governance. Okay, so that's sort of one of the big stories. Um, just to get to the stock of the day, CSL's CEO, long-serving CEO, I should say, Paul Perot is stepping down after 10 years at the helm, 25 years at the company. Obviously, it's been a period of extraordinary growth for CSL. Many people look at him and management in general as just doing a really good job. So we wondered if anything changed in terms of the investment thesis because, you know, key man risk, you've got the, the long-serving CEO stepping down. We spoke with Adam Dawes from Sean Partners as well as Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Take a listen. Has struggled to get through that $300 mark a couple of times and we're here again. It did try and get through that $300 level. It's failed again. It's a psychological barrier, isn't it? It's a big one, yeah. and it's taking its time to sort of try and you know push it through. And it has been there at 308, 310, you know that kind of thing. But that $300 level has been a big level. So for me, it's going to be a hold because I think overall that the business is fantastic, management are fantastic, everything. But price action, I'll be putting my bids in around 285. Um, I have avoided it simply because at 44 times earnings, give or take, even after going nowhere for four years, imagine what it was on four years ago, by the way. So it was probably 60 times earnings or 50 times earnings, and it looked too expensive then. It still looks expensive now to me. Um, it is one of those companies that is made to made you look silly. They've done a sensational job of creating sales and profit growth over a long period of time. But if you ask me, how are they going to justify another doubling in the share price, which in theory needs to come with a doubling of earnings unless the PE expands again? in a market-beating time frame, I don't know the answer to that. So look, I wouldn't be selling CSL, particularly if I owned it for a while, because there's probably some nice capital gains there. Um, you ought to be very careful about incurring capital gains tax unnecessarily. Great, so there we go. It's a hold for both of those guys to XE for both of them. And so it would seem scuddy. Okay, let's get to the macro today. Uh, we had the NAB Business Survey. We also had Westpac's monthly consumer confidence read. Um, it certainly seems as if consumers are feeling a little bit more confident um, in 
potentially uh, the face of a bit of rate hike relief. Um, what did you make of, first of all, the consumer confidence read? Because what people say and what people do, I suppose, can be very different things. Uh, no surprise that it's still down in the dumps and expectations about the outlook for unemployment uh, still remain weak relative to what they've been previously. So that's the most important factor from there. Uh, in the NAB business survey, I think it was that we still saw very strong pressures when it came to inflationary forces at the wages level, input costs, also retail prices. Most of those uh, particular parameters going up on a three-month annualised basis in this survey, which uh, certainly is not fitting with that notion that we're seeing a, a reduction in inflationary forces. And also the consumer, oh, sorry, the, uh, the confidence reading, I should say, uh, is now starting to go in four quite precipitously. Yeah, it's negative. And uh, that, yeah, that typically leads where conditions don't move to. And you put it together, it looks like we're going to go and have a softer uh, business demand environment coming forward. Uh, you can see it in forward orders. You can see it in some of those other lead indicators as well. Capacity utilisation was also off a smidgen. So it just says that whilst things are very strong here and now, at least they were in the other uh, November survey, uh, likely to deteriorate into the new year. Yeah, Alan Oster, chief economist, saying that uh, firms are becoming increasingly pessimistic about the future as they look to a slowing global economy and a period of weaker consumption as inflation and higher rates weigh on households. Before we get to in the doldrums, I suppose we should mention that there are plenty of stock ideas that you can listen to online or via the show notes. Luke Larative, I popped that in there, three lithium stocks for 2023. And as I mentioned, those um, interviews with Lazard Asset Management, as well as the Bank of America small cap specialist and strategist, are there for you to listen to in the show notes as well. So, Scotty, I feel as if anything we talk about in regards to, you know, this inflation read or the Fed will very quickly date. So perhaps we will leave that there. Uh, we've got, you know, a great day coming up, plenty of analysis and digestion of what comes out of the U.S. tonight and um, some pretty good guests lined up as well. I'll be speaking small caps again. It seems to be a theme with me. Um, with Maple Brown Abbott. Um, so we've got Matt Griffiths coming in, and that's in the 10 o'clock hour. We're getting a lot of these sort of 2023 investment outlooks. Um, I'm speaking with Federated Hermes uh, soon to get uh, their eight key themes for 2023. And uh, you'll be having a good chat, I reckon, with Chris Bedingfield from Key Global Investors. You know, everything about property, office. I'm really curious about office. He's uh, still remained positive, I think, last time we spoke with him. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be a big day. So looking forward to it. Uh, lots of great guests on the program, as you mentioned, coming up as well. Also worthwhile uh, pointing out, Marcus Party from Marcus Today as well will be joining mm -hmm. us in the 11 a.m. hour to go and get his view about uh, what 2023 is likely to go and bring and how to position your portfolio for it. Well, we ended today at 7,203. I had a conversation with Sean Hickman from Market Matters today. It's up online as well. He reckons we could still hit 7,400 by the end of the year. That clock is ticking. We'll see what happens, uh, you know, in the wake of this week, Scotty. Um, I hope you have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow. You too. Quite an early 12.30 a.m. on the uh, East Coast. Oh, Get yeah. ready for that CPI report. It'll be a big one. <laughs> Notifications off. Ciao.